Welcome to this week's energy show. Today, we're talking about what goes into the cost of electricity. Look at your electric bill. I mean, it's, it's, it's many, many pages long, really complicated. Uh, and, and basically, they're just asking you to you know, write a big check every month. There's different rate tiers. There's different rates for times of use. There's fixed charges. It's almost impenetrable. What we're going to try and do today is not explain how to read your bill. I, I, I can't even read my bill sometimes. But we're going to explain why these electricity charges are so high. I mean, one would expect that with, with all this uh, inexpensive solar power or even you know inexpensive natural gas and things like that, the electricity costs should go down. But no, they keep going up. So we're going to talk about why these electric charges are so high on your utility bill and what you can do about it. So in terms of background, the average California electricity charges for homes are about 20 cents a kilowatt hour. Now, if you're a home that uses a lot of electricity, your average cost is going to be even higher. If you live in an apartment or, or, or have a very, very low electrical consumption, your bills are low. But electricity is one of those weird things. It's like taxes. The more you use, the more you pay. Now, commercial users and industrial users buy electricity cheaper. There's, a, there's industrial rates, there's commercial rates. Those are usually a lot less than the residential rates. They're also different, and by the way, they're also incredibly complicated. Now, here's why the electricity business is charging you so much money for electricity you get delivered to your house. The reality is utilities are paying as low as four cents a kilowatt hour for solar electricity. And these are those big solar plants that are in the desert. They pay even less for wind-generated electricity. And if you, as a homeowner, were to put solar on your roof, you could get a solar system that's going to crank out electricity for 25 years for as low as $0.06 cents a kilowatt hour. But the average costs, when you look at your bill, it's, it's $0.20 cents a kilowatt hour. And let's look at why there's such a big markup. Now, elect conventional utilities provide three electricity services. They generate the electricity, they distribute the electricity, and they transmit the electricity. We're going to break that down a little bit more. When you look at your bill, and I just looked at my bill yesterday, fairly recently, they charge $0.10 cents a kilowatt hour for their cost to generate electricity. They charge $0.08 cents a kilowatt hour for the cost to distribute the electricity. And those are the local power lines and the local transformers and those, like, those little can-type transformers are on a utility pole near your house. And they charge $0.02 cents a kilowatt hour for transmitting the electricity. The transmission is these long distance transmission lines. So it's really high towers that kind of, you know, that are spread out every three or 400 yards. They go, they go usually in a fairly unoccupied area. Now, the electric utility's job is to deliver consistent, safe, ideally inexpensive power to customers, to homes and businesses. Most of the utilities also have generating facilities. They generate the power too. So these power plants, that you see, they're, they're not usually in a, a, a neighborhood. They're usually outside the city or in a, in a remote area. They're, they're powered by coal, much, much less of that. There's a few nuclear plants, almost none in California. They're getting shut down. They have these big power plants. The natural gas is pumped in underground. They're burning the gas in a furnace, and then that gas, that fire, actually heats up steam, and the steam goes into a gas turbine. The gas turbine spins, and that generates electricity in a generator. So really, really big plants. Natural gas is by far and away the most popular form of electricity generation in the country. Um, pretty much all we've got in California, except for one remaining nuclear plant and lots and lots of solar and wind. Now, the utilities also own hydroelectric plants. These are dams where you've got turbines uh, spinning, and that's generating electricity. Wind farms, you see lots of those wind farms around. 
and you have a lot of solar farms. Obviously, these solar farms, they take up a lot of space. They're in remote areas. The wind farms, they're in high areas in windy passes, the Tehachapi and the Altamont Pass around the California. And the hydro plants are in dams that uh, in big lakes, et cetera. So usually, the utilities own these generating facilities, but sometimes they actually just buy the electricity on a per kilowatt hour basis from the owner of the plants. So there may be a solar power plant that's owned by a separate entity, and they sell the power to your local utility, transmits it, distributes it, and that's what you buy. Now, the power plants are where the, the electricity is generated. These are big operations, many, many megawatts. Typical natural gas plant is about 500 megawatts. A centralized solar and wind plant, I mean, you can get some relatively small, they're still pretty big, but relatively small solar plants, about five megawatts, but a lot of them are, are cranking up into the hundreds of megawatt ranges, and these wind plants can be even, even bigger. Obviously, these power plants are usually not in your local neighborhood. They're far away. So these faraway plants are generating power inexpensively, whether it's gas or, or solar, and then the utility is saying that it costs them 10 cents a kilowatt hour to buy or manage those power plants. Now, once the power is generated at these remote plants, I'm just thinking about here in San Jose, we've got the Metcalf Energy Center that's down near um, Morgan Hill and Gilroy. Uh, it's a big plant that's kind of out a little bit uh, towards the coast. Uh, and then you've got lots of solar plants all around. Once, those, once the energy and the electricity is generated at those plants, it needs to be transmitted over a long distance. So you got about a 10-mile distance to get to San Jose, and you've got some high-voltage lines going there, and that's from the Metcalf Center. The windmills that are in the Altamont Pass, they've got transmission lines, and, and you've got huge plants in the, in the middle of a California desert that are, that are also generating power. So they've got these long transmission lines. And here's a geeky fact, geeky technical fact about electricity. When you have a low voltage, you need to have really, really thick wire to handle the current for a given amount of power. So you look at look in your car and the car battery is 12 volts. Just to crank that starter, you've got a wire that's going from the battery to the starter. It might be about um, three-eighths of an inch thick. It's really, really thick wire. Now, imagine if you had to power thousands and thousands of homes. You'd need an enormously thick piece of wire. Well, what they figured out, the engineers figured this out long ago, they figured out that if the, if the voltage is really high, you can, you can then pa pass a lot more uh, power through that line at a lower current. So power is the product of voltage times current. Really, really high voltage means for the same amount of power, less current. So what happens, and this is the, the kind of the magic of, of long-distance transmission systems, the higher the voltage, the smaller the wire. When you have small wire, you don't have to, uh, you don't need as much support structures for that. So these long-distance transmission lines, they may be running at 500,000 volts. Compare that to 120 volts that's in your house. 500,000 volts, the wire might only be an inch thick, but that thin wire can handle a tremendous amount of power. So the whole cost of that transmission system, building the lines, transmitting the power, maintaining it, et cetera, utilities are saying here in California, eh, it costs us about two cents a kilowatt hour. Now, after it's transmitted, it goes to what's called a local substation. And at these local substations, they reduce the voltage down from maybe 230,000 volts or 500,000 volts down to what's called the distribution voltage, which is maybe between 2,000 volts and 35,000 volts. Obviously, still, it's at a fairly high voltage because the power lines that are going through your neighborhood, you don't want those to be really, really thick either. So they run those at a lower voltage, but still much higher than you have in your house. So the utility poles carry these distribution wires at lower voltages. Then when it gets near your house, you've got these transformers on the telephone, on the utility poles, and that's stepping the voltage down to about 120 volts. That's what you use in your house. 
Now, the utilities are saying, and they're charging us, about $0.08 a kilowatt hour for the distribution part of the system. So you've got generation, $0.10, distribution, $0.08, transmission, $0.02. Now, but why are these costs so high? Mainly because we have a really old-fashioned monopoly utility system. This system was designed for centrally generating power at coal plants 100 years ago and then sending that power out over the wires all all around the the neighborhood, the, the city, the country. It's a one-way power flow. The second thing is the system, the whole utility system is basically a protected monopoly. There's no competition. And these utilities get a guaranteed rate of return of about 10%. Now utilities are facing serious competition from solar. Not so much from wind and hydro because these are more centrally generating technologies. That's kind of what they like to manage. But solar generation on your rooftop, whether it's a home or a business, is much cheaper than paying 20 cents or more per kilowatt hour. And, and that's where this whole issue is coming up, and that's why there's kind of a big fight in, in, in the industry around the world between utilities selling expensive power and customers saying, heck, I can make my own power for a lot less. Now, almost every one of our home solar customers is perplexed about why they're paying so much money for utility power and why the rooftop solar rates, if they buy a system and own the system, are so low, down around six cents a kilowatt hour. You know, I, I look at my bill. I was looking at my bill yesterday. My average rate is about 24 cents a kilowatt hour. And if I were to buy a system at retail from Cinnamon Solar or you know any other good local solar company, my average rate over 25 years, including maintenance, would be around six or seven cents a kilowatt hour. So you read about utilities now getting solar in the desert, these big solar power plants, for as low as $0.04 cents a kilowatt hour. So huge advancements in the scale of these plants, reductions in the cost of the solar panels. Now the utilities are buying solar for cheaper than anything else they can get electricity from. So why, if they're buying for $0.04 cents a kilowatt hour, are we as customers being charged $0.20 cents a kilowatt hour? Well, as Desi Arnaz, a.k.a. Ricky Ricardo said, you've got a lot of splaining to do. Remember, the costs that the utilities say that they incur when I look at my bill at at, 20 cents a kilowatt hour, the costs are about 10 cents for the generation, 8 cents for the distribution, and 2 cents for the transmission. Now, um, in order to kind of get from what we we know they're buying for around 4 cents a kilowatt hour, there's got to be a lot of corporate overhead layered in there, including lobbyists, attorneys, management, everything they need because the utilities are motivated to sell electricity for as much money as possible, like any profit-oriented business. And I understand that, and I respect that. The dilemma is that that profit-oriented central utility business is on its way out because there's just a cheaper way to generate power. The utilities are also motivated legally to build as many assets as possible. And here's how the utilities' profits are calculated by the Public Utilities Commission. They're allowed to get a guaranteed... 10% rate of return on their total number of net assets, their total net assets. So a power plant is an asset. Distribution wires is an asset. That local transformer that's on the utility pull outside your house, that's an asset. Every time they put one of those in place, they get to generate a rate of return on that. The trucks that the the utility workers, hardworking utility workers are driving around, that's another asset. So they're trying to build these assets as high as possible because they get a 10% rate of return. Now, flip it around. If you generate power on your roof and you own that that uh, power generating system, that little solar system, that's not their asset. They don't get to generate any profits on that. Moreover, to make things worse, they lose the revenue from electricity that they would have otherwise sold you. So 
That's why they're opposed to rooftop solar. They're not so much opposed to solar in the desert anymore because they, they call that an asset. But they're opposed if you own that asset. So why is the generation so expensive? Well, they say it's 10 cents a kilowatt hour. They've got to build huge power plants to do this. I was just looking up what the costs were for the Metcalf Energy Center in South San Jose. It cost about $500 million. And the size of the system is a little over 500 megawatts. So kind of ballpark, roughly about a dollar a megawatt for that plant. Now, the current costs for solar power plants in the desert, huge comparable size plants, are probably in the range of a dollar to a dollar and a half a megawatt. Obviously, much, much cheaper for smaller systems, but it, it's still kind of pricey. So that works out at $500 million for a 500 megawatt generating capacity system. That's about a dollar a watt. Now, current costs for a big solar plant in the desert are about a dollar to a dollar fifty watt. Obviously, for a tiny residential system, it's not five hundred megawatts, but six kilowatts. Um, it's going to cost you maybe three or four dollars a watt. But um, if you build these big plants in the desert, not a hell of a lot more than a natural gas power plant. But the thing is, the advantage of a natural gas power plant is it can run at night. These solar power plants, obviously, at night you're not getting any power out of it. But on the other hand. Natural gas plants, and coal plants for that matter, they constantly have to buy fuel. They're paying every single day for tremendous amounts of natural gas fuel. they got to pay for that, and they're paying for that at market rates. Natural gas is relatively cheap now, but in the past, it's gotten a lot higher. They also need to maintain that power plant. You've got spinning turbines. You've got hundreds of people working in that plant. You've got a big facility. There's almost no maintenance at a solar power plant in the desert. Pretty much all you have to do is make sure that the panels are staying reasonably clean, and just make sure that the electrical equipment, which doesn't have any moving parts, just keeps running. And the, these uh, conventional fossil fuel power plants also have to deal with some pretty big environmental impacts, mostly to do with greenhouse gas. There's almost none of these environmental impacts for solar, although there are some concerns about wildlife being harmed. And it's, it's an issue, um, but it's nothing at all like you know, tremendous amounts of polluting uh, carbon dioxide or, or particulates going into the air. Now, all these costs of these power plants that are you know, in, in a fairly um, habited area like South San Jose or the, there's um, Silicon Valley Power has one in Santa Clara, these costs are proportional to the local cost of living. The labor, labor is a tremendous cost factor. Even if you're just looking at what the maintenance costs of the plants are, the maintenance costs are mostly to do with people. So when you, when you have a plant in an expensive area like California or New York or New Jersey, the costs for maintaining and operating plants are high. The same thing extends to the distribution system that's there. So expensive places like California and New York have expensive power because labor's expensive. It's expensive to live there. You can't pay somebody $10 an hour and expect them to be able to afford to live there. You've got to pay them a lot more. So other places where the cost of living is relatively low have much cheaper power. And I kind of look at the, the average cost of power around the U.S., and generally it tracks the cost of living. So it's no surprising, no surprise, that solar is really taking off in places where electricity is expensive, and electricity is expensive in places where the cost of living is high. Now, the next question is, why is the distribution cost so expensive? Remember, eight cents a kilowatt hour for distributing this power. Well, you've got utility poles and wires everywhere. You've got local substations, you've got equipment, you've got utility workers with trucks, local offices, a lot of hardworking people to kind of keep those wires in place. 
trimming the trees, making sure that there's no problems, increasing the electrical capacity um, and running new wires to houses when people want to put in an electric vehicle or when they want to put in a bigger solar system. So that costs a lot of money to manage all these activities. So distribution's expensive. Now, why is transmission expensive? Well, the transmission's only two cents. It's just saying maybe 10% of the cost. You've got to make sure that you're covering the cost of the land for that transmission. There's a little bit of maintenance. You know, those lines, there's no moving parts, but you've got to maintain it. You've got to make sure that those areas are, are, are kept clean. There's no brush or trees growing underneath the lines. And there's also charges for use of the wires. There's, you know, basically a fee for transmitting power. It's de minimis, but it's, it's you know, not zero. So, the, but the utilities are charging a premium price for that electricity. It seems like it should be much more than it costs, and we're going to kind of dig into that. Well, the reason is, A, there's no competition. Your utility is a monopoly. B, they have a lot of overhead, but they won't disclose what this overhead is. But I have a way to back into figuring out what all these other expenses are that the utilities are paying. And basically, the way we can do that is compare what the investor-owned utilities charge for electricity and the municipally-owned utilities charge for electricity. Now, investor-owned utilities are owned by stockholders. You know, look at the Monopoly board. You see those, those utilities around there. The stockholders own that. They have to do public reporting. It's traded on the, a big stock exchange. A municipally-owned utility is basically providing electricity to a local area as a public service. Their customers are residences and businesses in that area, and they're not trying to make a huge profit. So it's easy to do these comparisons. I, I just did a comparison recently between two local utilities serving Silicon Valley, same area. One's PG&E, an investor-owned utility, and one's Silicon Valley Power, a municipally-owned utility. Now, PG&E's average residential electric rate, I just kind of looked this up, 21.8 cents a kilowatt hour. That's, you know, I live there. It's, it's serving my area in San Jose. Silicon Valley Power, a municipally-owned utility, their average electric rate for homeowners is 11.5 cents a kilowatt hour. PG&E is 89% higher than Silicon Valley Power, a muni. They're providing comparable service levels. Everybody's happy in both places. The power's there when we need it. It doesn't go out. Very responsive. So the, you'd expect that the bigger utility could theoretically provide cheaper rates. The reality is that they're much more expensive than rooftop solar, and even more than many rooftop solar systems with energy storage. Why? Because they have a lot of highly paid employees. They have to generate big profits. They have armies of lobbyists and attorneys to create policies to maximize their profits. I wouldn't be surprised to see the utilities in California spending hundreds of millions of dollars a year on lobbyists and attorneys to maximize their profits and to argue with the Public Utilities Commission in, in Sacramento that they need to raise rates. Municipal utilities work to minimize the rates. They, an they answer to the town councils in, in their local town. That's the case in Palo Alto. That's the case in Silicon Valley Power in Santa Clara. Now, the Public Utilities Commission tries to regulate the rates at utilities, but they're just like overwhelmed and overspent by the hundreds of millions of dollars of lobbying money that the utilities spend to increase rates. And you can just see how much higher they are. They shouldn't be. So if I kind of looked at the PG&E's residential revenues last year in 2015, it was $5 billion. If their rates were comparable to municipal utilities in the same area, revenues would have been $2.6 billion. So it's charging $2.4 billion extra to have the privilege of an investor-owned utility in Silicon Valley to sell you power. I can't think of a single reason why we can't switch to more municipally-owned utilities. That business model of an investor-owned utility is proven to be obsolete and crazy expensive. 
So what's going to happen when solar gets even cheaper and you can install your, your own battery storage system? Well, these costs that the utilities are charging are even more egregious. That's what utilities are so worried about things. Fundamentally, rooftop solar makes a lot of their business go away. So what can you do? Install solar now. Get on the current net metering plans. It's going to be better than the future plans. Support your local solar installer companies and support politicians who lobby for lower cost electricity. Don't pay attention to the lobbying from the utilities. And when you install solar, plan for battery storage in a few years. Not right now, but in a few years. Well, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you miss any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinemasolar.com and listen to the podcast. 